0: Welcome back to South of VA. My name is Jessica Bernal, and with me I have David Vega.
1: Hello, everyone. We have a special episode for you today. Today this is Jessica's first interview.
0: Yes, very first interview that I do alone.
1: <laughs> yeah, What did you think?
0: <laughs> it was great. It was a really fun experience. I I was trying not to overthink it because I was going to get myself nervous, but yeah. it was very nice. It's it fun, was right? Fun. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. It's
1: fun. I'm glad uh, you've gone from behind the scenes to on the podcast regular to now doing your own interviews, which is amazing. Honestly, it's it's fun, and I'm glad you enjoy it because it's going to bring a whole new perspective to south of the eight which is amazing but anyway back to the episode uh for today in mi barrio we have libelula bookstore
0: Yes, Libellula is a bookstore woman-owned. It is located in Barrio Logan in National Avenue and South 26th Street. It's that little corner. Little <laughs> island. Little island. In it's, front of It's a really Moto. cool building. It gives, like, those New York vibes. <laughs> but
1: better because it's in Barrio yeah, Logan.
0: but better because it's in Though Barrio No, it's Logan.
1: awesome. It's a little bookstore. Uh, they always have great events, uh, but their selection of books is amazing. There's a lot of, like, uh, um, uh, Mexican-american literature there there's queer literature there's a lot of history literature anti-colonizational literature it's amazing honestly and Give a
0: lot a, of local artists
1: yeah a lot of mm-hmm. local artists bought a lot of books there and it's it's always nice because you'll find something that you weren't looking for but you'll definitely mm-hmm. appreciate and the cool thing is too if you're looking for a very specific book instead of uh, giving basil's your money hit them up and mm-hmm. you can order through them. Uh, that way you're supporting local businesses and still getting your amazing book.
0: Yeah. And even if you don't want to purchase a book, they also have stickers. They have other oh, yeah. things there. Lots so of there's, cool thing. there's a lot to do. It's a
1: whole vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go get yourself some coffee and check out a book.
0: Thank you, Teresa, for being here and accepting to be part of this podcast at uh, you are actually the very first person that I will interview alone. Okay. So um, that means a lot to me. Oh,
1: <laughs> thank you said you. yes.
0: Um, but Teresa Palafo, she is a therapist in our community. Uh, she is a first-gen college graduate. Uh, she also collaborated in writing the book Mujeres in the in Movement. Um, so tell us a little bit about what got you into the mental health field
2: well actually I wanted so I kind of jumped into it I was kind of thrown into it uh, I didn't know much about it so originally how I discovered about the actual educational part of being a therapist was I was taking a class at San Diego State that was more towards um, English language learning so I wanted to be like an assistant Uh, that helped um, with, like, dual language learners, because originally that was kind of the path that I was going to. I had the privilege of being under Dr. Ricardo Medina's, um, like, uh, educational trajectory, and, um, you know, with the curriculum that he taught us and, like, day-to-day things that we explored, He was like, "I think you're in the wrong field. I think that you need to be somewhere else, like because it was like it was like a really short curriculum, and essentially I was just gonna kind of get like a certificate to be an assistant." And he asked me where I was currently at. At the time, I was working at Reality Changers, Reality Changers, which is a nonprofit. In City Hides that um, works with low income students and like the goal for them is to kind of go to college. So I was working as an achievement coach there um, and I invited him to come over and shadow me and just kind of see what Reality Changers was about. And at the time he was like, yeah, I really do think you, we need to do more with you. And I didn't know what that meant, but he basically mentioned to me that there was a uh, two year master's program at San Diego State that the deadline was approaching really quickly. But if I was interested, that he can connect me to, like, the director and even maybe a professor so they can tell me a little bit about what the program was. And I obviously, you know, like like many students that don't really know, one, how to apply, what GRE means, any of the actual things that you need in order to apply for a graduate school, like, period, I think that that was, sounded really scary to me. Um, mm-hmm. and he said you know what I'm gonna be your first recommender like we just need to get the other two people um, kind of together and my director at the program of reality changes was another recommender and um, yeah we made it happen and I feel like that was the first time where I experienced this like almost shortcut to things where One, the dental was approaching, yet I was able to get my application a little late because Mm -hmm. he was able to kind of maneuver things around for me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, privilege, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then also getting really excited about somebody believing in your work was really exciting for me. Like he knew that I was going to be a great candidate, and then I applied, eventually got in. Um, But I didn't know what it was until I was actually in the program, like what it was to be a therapist, the actual procedure to be a therapist, um, to me, that was more mentorship. So I've been a mentor for the longest time, femtor. Mm-hmm. Um, I am one of four sisters, so naturally the sisterhood bond mm-hmm. communication came really naturally. So when it came to students come at checking in with me, like that sisterly role in me came out, I didn't know it was an actual profession. Wow. Yeah. yeah.
0: No, and I... I think it's always great how there's other people that might see us or, like, other professors or people that we work with or bosses that have so much experience in their field that they can tell who's going to be good Yeah. Or who, who, who has what it takes to be part of the field yeah and it i think that's why it's great to receive feedback and be comfortable with like taking those chances because even if you didn't know what the career was about you took the chance of like okay i'll listen to you you're, you're you know you're telling me it might be a good field yeah. so you went for it and now you're here you know mm-hmm. and it seems like you like it and you enjoy it
2: yeah i mean six years later but now i'm licensed and yeah. i think even that trajectory from being a applying to grad school to testing for your national board to finally landing a job that is licensed eligible Mm -hmm. or or like you know even getting paid license pay Mm -hmm. like that whole thing nobody tells you anything about Mm -hmm. and you know i've been um considering writing like a one pager on if anybody's interested like how Mm -hmm. to navigate the system as a first gen because there's so many unknowns Mm -hmm. and so many questions that you don't even know about until you're like oh wait can we cuss here yeah Yeah, you're like oh shit i didn't even know that it was gonna i was gonna get paid this much or even negotiating as a first gen like all of these things that weren't taught to me um that i think it was like I think it's worthy to write it for somebody else.
0: Yeah, and there's so many ways to get licensed. Cause I myself, I did psychology undergrad, mm-hmm. uh, so we always talked about the different ways to get uh, a license or a therapist. And it wasn't until my late, like junior or senior year, that I found out that you could be a therapist with just a master's, yeah. if you got your, uh, your oh, license your professional. A, yeah, okay. Yeah. And so like little things like that that I never knew. But I was already kind of like burned out from school, and I was like, no, I'm just gonna finish, and then that's about it. Yeah. Uh, but there's so many ways to do a career that you would like but you don't know you know so it's always good to share that with others how the way you did it and Mm -hmm. that might help
2: someone else that's
0: interested yeah
2: and i think the reality of it is like sometimes we just our network is limited like growing Mm -hmm. up our our network is limited right you go to school and you kind of mostly everybody in your circle of friends are in similar situations like our parents are very very hard working they did very laborious jobs they did what they could with what they had the resources they had and now but we just don't have access to a network that knows how to teach us right until somebody brings you under the wing or somebody's able to identify you like oh this person's really good at x y and z maybe we should mm-hmm. consider them as a potential you know so that's one of the things that i definitely learned and and Mm -hmm. which is why i make myself so accessible Mm -hmm. um to anybody that has questions like Mm -hmm. dm me make facebook messenger whatsapp me whatever you need you know to Mm -hmm. get to me and um you know i'm always i make myself available for those reasons
0: yeah and i I think that's why mentoring in or mentorship in our community is so important Mm -hmm. and i and i heard that you mentioned like fem tour yeah so can you tell me a little bit on
2: it well i mean i think that um just we re- revolutionizing this yeah. thing around what does it mean to connect and i mean mentorship is the overall like umbrella mm-hmm. but i think just to identify like my fem hood into what i the energy that i do bring when i am working with somebody i think it's an important identity to bring and i think I come from, like, a really caring perspective and, you know, mm-hmm. feminine energy and just yes. kind of bringing that into the table. So it's important mm-hmm. to me. It's an important skill and important um, identity to bring when I am with somebody. Okay.
0: And um, you're currently working in a mobile crisis response team, right? Yeah. So can mm-hmm. you share with us a little bit about the services that you provide there? Yeah,
2: yeah. So I about? am uh, one of the clinicians for the overnight. So which... You know, in itself kind of has its, its struggles and also like amazing things that can happen out of it. But the overall program itself was kind of born from a lot of activism um, and trying to deter law enforcement from responding to mental health emergencies and crises. So, you know, we just kind of see it. it kind of, it's been a national crisis, right, where mm-hmm. we've seen kind of police interactions where probably mental health professionals should have taken the lead there. Um, so that program was born in August and we are a non-law enforcement responding program. So if you or a family member is experiencing any mental health concerns, you can call the and Crisis Line, which is uh, 888-724-7240, um, and then kind of share a little bit of what's going on. If they deem it, that it's a mental health crisis that should involve us, they'll kind of triage it to our line and then our team will take over. And then uh, according to... According to the crisis, they'll kind of deem it out level one, two or three and then they'll send a team out. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the ways where um, how you can access the teams. Another way that you can access is by calling 911 so law enforcement within your jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. Um, if they deem it as a mental health crisis where our team is a better suit, then they'll triage it to us, right? So it's always either of, either of those ways will eventually get to you. Um, but I think it's it's an interesting, we're growing we're growing slowly now we're open to all jurisdictions all the way from like Otay to north inland escondido oceanside so wow, that's um we're covering the whole mm-hmm. county now all the way i realized that we have boulevard apparently mm-hmm. it's off of the eight very very far into the eight mm-hmm. so just all these new areas that i'm kind of discovering because now we're kind of on the on the team and we just take over all of the cities um counties in san diego excuse me but yeah, I'm excited to see what we do with this because it's been well needed. We've needed this for a really long time. Um, And, you know, we've seen cycles of where like people end up in jail because somebody couldn't handle psychosis the right way Mm -hmm. or depressive symptoms. And now they're like in different, they're just kind of getting thrown into different Mm -hmm. institutions because nobody knows where to put them. Yeah. People.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's a great program and it's, small steps, right? And you're saying mm-hmm. that it's getting bigger little by little mm-hmm. and hopefully we see it a lot more yeah, and a lot more accessible.
2: Yeah, so, no, yeah. absolutely. Um, s- you know, so I've been doing this since... Um, I got licensed in March, so mm-hmm. it started like around April, April, mm-hmm. May. Mm-hmm. That's my new license roll and I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Yeah.
0: So next um, we have... So we wanted to talk a little bit about like the stigmas that we see in our communities mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what have you seen that has been like a biggest challenge in mental health in our community or
2: so there's a co-occurring with like substance use that I've Mm -hmm. seen a lot um also there's a lot of shame around substance use and what can we do for like to prevent that piece I think one of the challenges that I've seen um within substance use is like it's been used as a coping like a huge Mm -hmm. coping mechanism and Mm -hmm. sometimes we see um like alcoholism right and we see our uncles and even some of our family members use it like as a coping because we don't have any other ways or we've never been taught other ways of coping right especially when it comes like a very emotionally triggering situation where you just Mm kind of have to drown yourself into something figure it out um that's a way to kind of go for it which before like before being in the field that was really hard for me to understand because Mm -hmm. i just assume all people are being selfish Mm -hmm. and that's where they're you know using substances right but the reality of it is like if you're not taught better coping skills from to like emotionally regulate you that's one of the ways Mm -hmm. um so we've seen that a lot in in the work and and then when it gets to like when it's really bad, right? Like it can be substance-induced psychosis. But now it activates mm-hmm. parts of the brain where it's really kind of—it's really hard to kind of bring it back. Mm-hmm. So now you have like auditory hallucinations or mm-hmm. paranoia that are attached to that. Yeah. So that's that's where you kind of see like it kind of spiral away when you're mm-hmm. kind of more in it, and then it's really difficult to um, come out of it. So one mm-hmm. of the also things for our program is we're a voluntary program. So unless you are willing to accept services we can't do much about Mm, it so it's it's a very specific um population that we serve and Mm -hmm. usually it's people that are willing to get the services that they they Mm -hmm. need the services i see okay yeah
0: Yeah, and right now when you were talking about the um you've seen like different drugs for coping like mm-hmm. it just got me thinking of like growing up in a latino family how alcohol was so normalized and oh my gosh absolutely. having like el tío
2: que siempre está borracho and and, and there's yeah. jokes about that right exactly. like the or like when you everybody has like that kid picture of holding a corona yeah, at a like birthday a two-year-old. party <laughs> two-year-old holding it and it's just like oh that's a you know and it's just like okay but And it's cute slash funny. It's, like, all over. Everybody has that picture, but it's, like, but is it really? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so we we do grow up in communities that just kind of promote that, you know,
2: as a way Mm of coping. Yeah.
0: And if we don't have programs that would educate or, or just give out other options, then, you know, it's just the same cycle.
2: Yeah. Yeah, actually, in one of the... So Mujeres and Movement is one of the books that we wrote as a collaborative with the Rise mm-hmm. Community, um, with Fabi, Leah, and uh, Sinai, who mm-hmm. was p- primarily the one that led it. But there was another book that uh, some publishing stuff that I did, and in one of them, I, one of my books was just literally about, um, you know, I love my dad. Him and I have grown closer together, and I realized that the relationship that I imagined it's not what it actually is, Mm -hmm. but we're still working towards having like a healthy relationship. And I acknowledge that he is trying his best, right? Mm -hmm. With us growing. And, you know, sometimes I feel like it's really intimidating for my, for both of my parents to kind of just see us want to reach the moon every single time. Mm -hmm. And they're like, we don't know what to do with that information. Mm -hmm. Like as a parent, you only, they only learn how to parent like teenagers. Mm -hmm. And then after that, we're just kind of, all careered, you know, doing the most. So I feel like sometimes it's hard for them to just even catch us. Right. But you know, I get it that he's working with what he has. And in one of my, um, um, he he does a lot. A lot of the inspiration from my writing comes from that. And and I wrote about how like the only time when I ever got a hug from my dad was when he was lit,
1: mm-hmm. when he
2: was drunk. And you know, a lot of my uncles have very similar personalities. And where when you're drunk, that's when your vulnerability comes out and that it's sucky that we have this really awkward hugs because Mm. we don't hug and our family doesn't hug i don't know i've seen it i get really awkward coming into a room because i don't want to touch people i've never really learned how to hug Mm. i feel like i'm the most um malcriada como se mm-hmm. le dice you know, tienes que dar un beso y you un know, abrazo and i don't do that i just kind of mm-hmm. do this little wave i acknowledge mm-hmm. people that i'm here and if they go for the hug then you just say like, oh okay <laughs> yes i'll do the little tap thing right but it's just not my favorite yeah. yo but it's it's part of it is like we didn't practice growing up with that uh, mm-hmm. like no kiss no hugs uh let alone i love you right if anything mm-hmm. now i'm like starting to practice with my sisters and even so it feels awkward I know that that's the only way that I'm gonna get over that Mm -hmm. of like practice Mm -hmm. yeah I have that with my family too like the word love we we never
0: we're a very small family I only have my single mom and my sister and for some reason we, would, we wouldn't would say I love you much yeah. and I do it now with my sister and we made it a thing to make yeah. it clear but with my mom I'm still working on it like we can say I love you through text oh you can text all day oh, yeah. about it yeah but in person mm-hmm. yeah it's it even feels weird whenever it does come out like on a birthday or mm-hmm. or, or some celebration that she does say like oh te quiero mucho mm-hmm. it's just like oh my god, she said it like yeah. what do I do now <laughs>
2: yeah what do you do with it yeah, yeah. But, and really interestingly enough my mm-hmm. mom won't say it in Spanish she'll only say it in English like mm-hmm. I love you on the way out or something like yeah. that. So there's just something about the language and like the mm-hmm. Spanish that it gets attached maybe it's a little more mm-hmm. loaded and I know that she loves me, right? I know mm-hmm. that, that I don't need the validation, but it's I've I've still struggling with why has it been so hard mm-hmm. for us to say it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cuz I know I know my
0: mom loves me too.
2: But it's that like
0: barrier almost on um, mm-hmm. not knowing just how to express it or, yeah. or how to say it in a work because mm-hmm. I mean she does express it in other ways, uh, but yeah no vulnerability it's it's hard yeah you know absolutely. it's hard mm-hmm. it's sometimes it, even with your closest family members it's hard to show certain parts of yourself that you know you're just a little afraid yeah. of what they might think. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned your the book that that you collaborated with um, some other uh, local authors um so how did this project came about like how how did it happen to be published yeah
2: so um so we are all we were all part of rise san diego which is an organization um that kind of puts gathers leaders you have to apply it and then eventually mm-hmm. get in but it's essentially like leaders in san diego county um mm-hmm. all of them come from different areas different career paths um, and 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 the goal is that you're able to network and then come up with a project like a capstone project. So Sinai, who was who had already um, self published, which I was like, oh my gosh, self published That's one of my goals, and it's been one of my goals. And I think I had mentioned it to her. She was looking for a way to um, expand her cap, and it was also during COVID, so it gives a little bit more room to kind of do more creative outlets and everything Mm -hmm. else. And, you know, I think just COVID kind of opened up creativity for a lot of folks, including me. Um, I had more time to write and Mm -hmm. whatnot. Um, and because I couldn't go out, I did this, I would do this thing where on Fridays I would just kind of set up my room to have it, um, conducive to kind of get me to write because I don't write often, but when I do, I write a lot. And usually it's because I'm going through like an emotional, like heightened event mm-hmm. um but because you know i that doesn't happen often mm-hmm. i i like to always say it, i feel like i'm happy girl vibes mm-hmm. all the time you know because that when i do it's usually because some shit's happening right and then i just have to let it out so it's my coping for me mm-hmm. so a lot of my writing is kind of sad i'm not gonna mm-hmm. lie my hope is that i can branch out into actually Documenting happy moments in my life because mm-hmm. I think those are also worthy of exploring. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, what happened? She was gonna. Um, she started. She asked me if I was interested, and I'm like, "Of course, I'm interested." And the neat part about it is that the proceeds of the book were gonna be donated to a nonprofit that also supports uh, students going to college. Mm-hmm, nice. um, and it's a nonprofit in in City Heights, and and you know I always like to jump on philanthropic things that to me feel good and you know so we worked on it for a few months and then that's how it happened but everybody in the book it's amazing it gave me mm-hmm. an opportunity to kind of spend more time with um with leah and fabi who are leaders of rise like they're professors yeah. for rise and they're just like badass just mm-hmm. so it gave me an opportunity to just kind of be also mentored by them which was a great opportunity for me um you know and then we've been doing a lot of the things with a book and and essentially it was more the idea was like self-love community and just relationships like Mm -hmm. what does it mean to you it means to you something different than it means to me so how can we kind of put this in a book that is is different than other Mm -hmm. things in the community right a lot of fiction or just like kind of come out of your soul Mm
0: -hmm.
2: so that's how that kind of was born out of
0: that's that's really cool mm-hmm. and and I've heard so much about the book I don't Aww. think I've had the chance to tell you but when I was working at Perkins Elementary which is in Barrio Logan uh, one of my coworkers was working in uh, what is this school it's a teen mom school Lindsay Lindsay yeah mm-hmm. she was she was one of the uh, staff members at Lindsay and she showed me the book and she's like oh do you want to come like there's some writers that are gonna come in and they're gonna do a um, QA we yeah, were there yeah and and I was like, oh, like I know that book, and, <laughs> yeah. And, and then I couldn't make it because I had to work in my site. Uh, but she came back the next day, and she's like, oh, the the, the girls loved it. Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah. So just like little stories that I hear of the Q and A that you all do, like out in the community. Like you guys are definitely
2: active, like you know, putting the book out there. Yeah. We mm-hmm. were also at the bookstore Libelula mm-hmm. in Bar Logan. Um, and then we did a present like a zoom presentation for some fourth and fifth graders and that's probably like that's my cute. funnest so far mm-hmm. like interview but definitely at the Lindsay school um they got me with the questions you know yes. i'm over here thinking that i'm gonna they're gonna ask me about like just the development of the book but they really went in and i mm-hmm. thought that was shit i would use the time for that question too right Mm -hmm. a lot of it was just like my because i read a lot about my dad and our Mm -hmm. relationship and how it was stagnant for a while and then i had to realize that it wasn't that it was stagnant, it's just he just didn't know. Like, so mm-hmm. him and I practicing actively how ha- like what do I need from him? What does he need from me? Type of thing. Yeah. Um, it, it just helps us develop our relationship even more. But I can't ask my dad to do X, Y, and Z if he was never taught, right? I can't ask yeah. him to give me a proper hug if his mom never hugged him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all these things that we got to practice, and the girls went in and I loved being kind of like put on the spot because it made me mm-hmm. think about oh dang I didn't realize that people were questioning because I did write about that and mm-hmm. I think it is supposed to be thought-provoking yeah. and for you to have questions about it and kind of go into your own mm-hmm. self and like have questions for yourself right and mm-hmm. I remember leaving 10 minutes early that day because I had a therapist appointment right after mm-hmm. so I couldn't sign any books or anything oh. but therapy absolutely yes. recommend it. Yes. like I'm a therapist and I still see a therapist and mm-hmm. it took me couple of years to find my therapist now but we've been i've been together with her for five years
0: yeah and i've been going in that route
2: of thinking there are tons tons of uh, tons of thoughts about that too yeah,
0: yeah because i know that many people seek therapy they go to therapy once or twice mm-hmm. and give up because they're like no yeah. it didn't feel right and it's like maybe you just didn't find the right therapist and it takes a while and it's I mean, you're a therapist, and it took you a while to find a therapist. Yeah, so that goes to prove that, you know, it's it's not that you're just gonna feel comfortable with the first person you mm-hmm. sit in an office with.
2: Yeah, I also did want to add a caveat to that because I feel that you get the specialized services and specialized therapists once you go either do private pay. So you're willing to pay out of pocket. So this is a privilege. Yeah. Learning about yourself and exploring areas that you didn't know about is a freaking privilege, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there's community centers when you can use um, private pay, not private pay, excuse me, but like sliding scale. Even do where I did my internship, right, which is also a sliding scale program mm-hmm. at the community counseling.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: they send us interns. Come on. And you're seeing people. Now, I'm not saying that we're bad, but we're in training ships, Mm -hmm. right? So if you think about it, like who gets access? I think I talk about access a lot because I've been Mm -hmm. in it. Um, Who has the most access to these very, very specialized services? People Mm -hmm. who can't afford it Mm -hmm. or they have private insurance that can also Mm -hmm. go that route. But, you know, I've, when I was, uh, when I came, when I freshly came back from Riverside, that I was going through some like, anxiety a lot of anxiety i went to like my community uh therapist like community center basic
1: mm-hmm. yeah. very
2: very basic so i think about the people who do attempt to and they do want to go to therapy right but then they get hit with these very mediocre Oh, burnt out therapist, yeah. uh, honestly, is it's tough. It's tough yeah. to kind of get in and, and have like a proactive 50-minute session.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even insurances. Even mm-hmm. insurances have a limit of mm-hmm. how many sessions you yep. have.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: it, it goes through what insurance plan you have and all of that and how much they can cover. Mm-hmm.
2: But even that has the limit. Yeah. yeah. So then what it makes. So now the other option is like, you know you have to pay for it on your own. Because mm-hmm. if you go on your own, that there's no cap to that, right? Yeah. So access, it comes down yeah, to that. It comes to access, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Yeah, no, but I highly. I, believe that burnout it's totally totally real (laughs) everybody can experience burnout in any job they have Mm -hmm. I think I had my first taste of it when I was in grad school when Hmm. because all through school it was very stressful but it was more of you know you're pushing through it and there's so much other things that are distracting you or at least at the time for my undergrad there was so much other things happening that were fun (laughs) (laughs) but grad school just became bad like it was strict just getting my homework done and then i had a full-time job and that's when i got burnout like yeah for real for the first time Mm
2: -hmm. uh
0: so how like how what how have you ever experienced burnout how did that look like
2: and i feel like my burnouts are very elevated um i have a lot of anxiety sometimes like i'm an overthinker sometimes Mm -hmm. it's really hard for me to just kind of shut my brain off mm-hmm. and i think that's like a very common experience for a lot of people sometimes i like to describe it as my sister has this laptop when we mm-hmm. when when i wasn't employed we only had a one laptop at the house right because you use your employer's laptops mm-hmm. to do everything um and my sister had like easily 30 tabs open every single okay. time <laughs> on that laptop and every single time you would try to close one out the next day she would know exactly where you closed out so oh, wow. now you can't even mess with her laptop like that but mm-hmm. sometimes i feel like my brain was like that it had 30 tabs open all the time mm-hmm. like running on ex- excessive mode so that eventually gets to you right um so i have like a history of panic attacks and mm-hmm. um i went through my very first one in 2017 which was a ver- my very first day of training ship at this new school It was like my first day. We were gonna, uh, you know, I was gonna be starting at uh, Mount Miguel as a therapist in training, Mm -hmm. and I must have, you know, just overdone it. But Mm -hmm. I had like a horrible panic attack to the point where I had to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And at the hospital, they couldn't figure out what it was. Mm -hmm. And I remember trying to explain my symptoms, like racing thoughts, Mm -hmm. my my breathing was very off. I felt super hot, like all these Mm -hmm. physical symptoms that I share with my Uh, doctor at the time and they were like well your tests are coming clear we don't know what it is and then it took me my second year of grad school in my dsm class uh which is where we learned to diagnose Mm -hmm. and kind of learn about that process to figure out what i was having was a panic attack because we were going through the diagnosis criteria for that and then i was like holy shit like a year after i realized that that's what happened Mm -hmm. Um, And then I was just like, there's such a huge disconnection between Mm -hmm. the medical field or like doctors who don't necessarily engage with like even that type of symptomology Mm -hmm. versus like mental health and what it actually is. Mm -hmm. Right now, if I would have known the whole time, I'm like, there's something wrong Mm -hmm. with me for a year and a half until I got to that class. And I'm just like, huh, this is what it what I went through. Mm -hmm. So that's just like my little spiel about burnout. And it it Mm -hmm. can get to that point. Um, I'm a little bit more aware of what it feels like to me. So I try to do fun things. Yeah. Yeah. That's all the time. I do fun things all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And outside of work, once I'm clocked out, um, I know that I know how to do my job well. Mm -hmm. And once I'm done with my time, I engage in fun shit. That's good. Mm-hmm. No, it's, uh, there's been weekends where I try to book a lot of fun things,
0: but then <laughs> yeah. I get too tired and then I go back to some <laughs> work yeah. on Monday and i was like, I should have
2: like slept more. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. Like this past weekend, I was just like, oh, this weekend, I'm going to chill, you know, chill vibes this weekend. And then things come up and like, mm-hmm. okay, well, I guess next weekend I can <laughs> try again. Can yeah, chill. but that's yeah. one of my, um, I, I guess finding a community too Mm -hmm. has been helpful for me um and and people to really process what's going on with you like heavy things that happen like you can't you can't longer just keep them inside of you have to Mm -hmm. talk with somebody out and i've Mm -hmm. been able to identify people that i trust Mm -hmm. and can be vulnerable with and they they understand what's going on Mm -hmm. and and i'm privileged and lucky enough to have a set of sisters who Mm -hmm. are with are in the same field so that it's easy for me to talk to them about stuff like that that's good mm-hmm. yeah
0: and i read in your biography in in the book that you really like storytelling mm-hmm. and then you try to pass that on to
2: um like younger generations yeah. yeah i think storytelling um you know i hear all these things about my ancestors and my grandma and my grandpa and i try to imagine them like what it would have been for me to meet them because i never got a chance to because um you know just like a lot of health issues that we also don't talk about mm-hmm. um health is wealth and i feel like we don't talk about that enough about just how do you take care of yourselves right and so i hear a lot about them and like my uncles and aunties what did they do for a living and how did they support their communities my grandpa who would who was a cattle like ex- he would exchange cattle he had this truck that he converted into like He put, like, walls so he could squeeze more cattle and, like, pigs and shit. And then he would go into other towns that didn't have access to transportation. And then they would exchange cattle and, like, animals and, you know, just Mm -hmm. things. And I'm just like, I would have loved to have been his co-passenger, you know? (laughs) I'm just like, Mm -hmm. I can handle the business side and you do Mm -hmm. the animal handling, right? But it would have been such a cool experience to live mm-hmm. but all i know is like that's what he did and i just kind of imagine him and mm-hmm. i think i've heard and i've seen my grandma in a lot of my my dreams mm-hmm. her just thoughts and mm-hmm. her, i feeling her and i remember one time when i was at this conference in um, oakland uh, for family uh, marriage marriage and family therapy conference and uh, there was this lady who was working with a lot of bundles of lavender and just like bundles of protection mm-hmm. and then she said grab whatever calls to your name a little bundle and then go to a corner wherever you feel the most safe and just really try to like we were doing breathe br- breath work at that mm-hmm. time and then like i felt my grandma and wow. i started to cry because it's been a long time since she that since i felt her and and part of it to me that was like a sense of security. It was just like you are where you need to be you mm-hmm. are where you're supposed to be and at the time i was doing a lot of like uh therapy work so it just Mm -hmm. kind of uh reinforced that it was okay this track that i was Mm -hmm. going but i do want to honor everything that they've done and um this baton right they were to pass the baton to my Mm -hmm. mom and my mom worked with what she had and like now i'm here right so now it's my turn to kind of carry this baton and just kind of run as fast as i can and just Mm -hmm. pass it on to whoever is next next, Mm -hmm. yeah
0: yeah, and even, like, because you consider yourself a Spanglish writer, right? Spanglish,
2: absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and
0: so, because I, I read a lot of, uh, like, some of the words, like, um, there was one that,
2: the, the fuchi face. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, how would you say that in English? You like, can't <laughs> translate that. <laughs> you can't translate it into English. There's mm. a lot of words. The one that I've been using a lot, engentar, que me engento. Mm. Um, and when I say this, it's just, like, I don't know how to say it. is it like social anxiety? But it's social anxiety times like five, right? mm-hmm. and, and basically that's how I describe it when I'm telling people es que sí. that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, let's it's interesting, but I, I have so many words too that I can't translate. <laughs> yeah. So that's
2: why mm-hmm. I like to use the words like when mm-hmm. I um if, if it doesn't if it doesn't translate, then it doesn't translate at the end of the day my writing is for people who can understand it Mm -hmm. and i'm not gonna go out of my way to create this Mm -hmm. dictionary for you exactly if it doesn't land it doesn't land Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and i'm okay with that Mm
0: -hmm. yeah no that's great i think it's 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 really important for us to keep a little bit of our native Mm -hmm. language
2: yeah of spanish so my my hope is that i can do more exclusive spanish too because Mm -hmm. um you know, I think it's important. Um growing up for me I, I was kind of forced to learn e- to learn English in a very traumatic mm-hmm. way. Um I was bussed out of my district to go to school and mm-hmm. they really, really pushed for well one, I was always like below basic, I think. I never scored on those what is it, SATs or whatever? And, Not SATs like those star testing. I was always below basic when it came to me and my English proficiency or whatever the fuck people call it nowadays. Um, And then people didn't acknowledge that the reason why is because I'm a Spanish speaker originally. Mm -hmm. So I know a whole other language Mm -hmm. that I'm communicating with my family and stuff, of course. Mm -hmm. And obviously I couldn't practice with them because my parents didn't speak English either. Mm -hmm. So now that there's like this reoccurring of like I couldn't do any of the extracurriculars because now you're like in extra English Mm -hmm. classes. So you can figure it out how to speak English Mm -hmm. for the longest time. Right. So to me, that felt really unfair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, especially going through college and all those college admissions.
0: That's yeah. when you really see it that mm-hmm. we are underserved. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: and I think that's why I originally wanted to do the du- dual language mm-hmm. like uh, certificate because I was one of those kids that I was identified as somebody that was ESL like half of my K-12 to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like
0: I... Because I study in Tijuana for the beginning of my elementary mm-hmm. so Spanish uh, Spanish was my first language for my family but even in education Spanish was my first language and it was until fourth grade that I came here uh, to San Diego that's when I learned to speak English wow. and I remember my first year in fourth grade yeah. uh, I was in a Latino community I was in Logan Heights uh-huh. uh, so I had I would speak with my classmates and all and I made friends that wasn't a problem but math I was good at I think that's to this day I'm good at math because it was numbers I could, yeah, I could everybody can yeah, do numbers. I could yeah. read numbers but anything like reading everything else I just I would blink out I don't know what I would do all day in school I would just sit there and stare and <laughs> do whatever they said and then until fifth and sixth grade that's when I started learning more English because yeah. I would you know eventually I picked up the the language and then it was fine after that and i still have my accent but you know it's a little memory of
2: yeah no but but i think even i I think we just need to do a better job especially when Mm -hmm. it's a school that is non like for example like schools in logan like logan right Mm -hmm. logan was supposed to be my school that i was supposed to go to Mm -hmm. i feel like there is access to like bilingual teachers Mm -hmm. who have a little bit more compassion around kids are coming in this is their first language so let's work with that Mm -hmm. versus kind of being thrown into very western I went to school in La Jolla for elementary school so Mm -hmm. now it's like super white they're like no te entiendo we don't know we get to Mm -hmm. get it together right and just almost like shaming my parents for not Mm -hmm. couldn't teach me or I couldn't learn fast enough Mm -hmm. so I still talk about that shit all the time and like there's trust for sure when it comes to like my white counterparts and myself like part of me is it still feels really unsafe sometimes mm-hmm. um, so I'm working through that Yeah. so going through academia and mm-hmm. all the schools and university how was that like you know what I feel like I blanked out part of it mm-hmm. is because I was in this consistent like having to figure it out mode okay. I went from um, being a gate scholar in high school mm-hmm. to I'm on academic probation my first year I took some like physical physics courses i had i have no idea why i signed up for that shit that was not even my major but because i registered so late right nobody tells you like the closer like the last if you're the latest to register then you're gonna be the last dibs on classes so i had Mm. these ridiculous classes that had absolutely nothing to do with my major so now i'm like failing i had no idea what i was doing um my first year when i went to riverside my parents dropped me off they took the day off of work right because it's Mm. that's the only way that they could drop me off and then um i remember wanting to cry so bad when they left but then i couldn't because i felt like if i started crying then they would get worried about me exactly so me la and i remember i still remember and i still (laughs) dream about the knot in my throat Uh that it was the hardest thing for me to just kind of get over and then you know four minutes they give they say goodbye and then after that i i sob in my room for like the next hour yeah Yeah. and then my roommate and i went to get lunch and it was over but it took me Mm -hmm. really it took me long to kind of get over that consistently of like Mm -hmm. i see my parents and i have to leave and then um couldn't share with them that i was struggling because of the assumption of my assumption at the time maybe i could have shared a little bit about college but you know it's supposed to be such a fun experience Mm -hmm. you're going to explore yourself you go into a different city So then I just felt like I couldn't tell them that I was struggling because Mm -hmm. then they would worry about me. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah,
0: I felt that too. Because I was the first in my family to go to college and they always questioned. I think they were really happy for me at first Mm -hmm. and when I finished my first degree, they were extremely proud. Yeah. But then when I told them I was going to continue, they were like, but well, why? <laughs> yeah. like, why do you want to keep going? Like done I, you're done. Yeah. And I was like, no, but it's because I want to do this and that. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, oh, okay, cool. You know, but they just didn't get it. They didn't oh, understand. Yeah. They don't. So, but they trust you yeah. that you
2: know what you're doing. Exactly. Right?
0: Yeah. They trusted me. They were like, they never said don't do it, mm-hmm. but that's also the year in grad school that I felt the most burnout. Mm. And that's when I felt like I couldn't share with them because yeah. I just thought they would think like, yeah, you made a bad decision. And also with loans, because that I was paying out. Mm-hmm. I don't know so it was so much that it just isolated me. Absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm. And then and then you find people that are kind of going through similar experience and then you're like, oh, shit, you're going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. Actually, me too. And then that's yeah. when you have a little bit more wiggle room to talk about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, but with family, it was, it's definitely very mm-hmm. tough to share that. Even now i think that it's i've had to like give my parents like pamphlets in spanish so they can know what i'm actually doing but it's sometimes when they tell their friends like it's completely different things than what i'm actually doing (laughs) so i'm just like okay that's not it but let me tell you what i am doing right so Mm -hmm. it takes a little bit more patience to share with them and just like family members in general yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i know
0: it yeah yeah it's it's a long journey
2: (laughs) it's a long journey absolutely it's a long journey
0: it's a lot of um like self like self-growth more than anything Mm -hmm. and then but i mean you're doing great things now and (laughs)
2: yeah (laughs) yeah and it feels good to feel so i recently turned 30 in february and i remember um like two weeks before my birthday my two of my really good friends from grad school and my sister we went to Sedona um, because we wanted to run a race so mm-hmm. I've been doing this thing for myself just for my accountability purposes and myself where I run a competitive race every month mm-hmm. so I like f- go find them and, and I'm lucky that San Diego hosts a lot of races uh, mm-hmm. but then this one was gonna be my birthday month so I'm just like let me just go so we all booked a to go to Sedona together and On our way from Sedona to the Phoenix airport, my friend's driving on the passenger seat, my friend Hannah. And then Mm -hmm. I look at her and she, mind you, we had just spent a whole weekend of like amazing memories. Like the race course kind of sucked a little bit and my favorite, but we still finished and we all were there for each other, right? To cheer Mm -hmm. each other on and everything. And then I'm driving from Phoenix, I'm sorry, from Sedona to Phoenix. And then I see her and I'm just like, wow, I love my friends. Mm -hmm. And like, that we have built this together, this relationship mm. where we are able to explore the world together and do these fun activities. And these are mm. everybody in this car that I trust and I love, right? Because we've invested so much energy and time for each other. Um, and I get that. And I, going into 30, I felt so secure in my intimate relationships with people. Like, I know that if shit hits the roof, I know who to call, right? Mm-hmm. And it just felt good to be safe. Mm -hmm. in that realm at Mm -hmm. least so yeah i think that so far that's been my biggest accomplishment being Mm -hmm. able to solidify and build relationships with people that matter to me and Mm -hmm. like that it's like love love you know
0: yeah that that's amazing because i i know that a lot of people feel very pressured to be at a certain like state of life yeah. at an age yeah. like it's always like oh at 25 I will oh man business.
2: that went out the window for me I'll yeah. quit I don't know
0: why 25 is such a big deal Yeah, and I'm 25 right now Yeah. so okay. when I hit that age I was
2: like no I'm sure I'm doing great girl we got yeah. tons and I think mm. part of it is because culturally we've seen it otherwise right like yeah. mm. or, or like these things around oh I heard that so many times <laughs> and I'm like first of all I'm 30 my skin is doing great you know mm. skincare routine and all of mm-hmm. it right i'm doing everything that i want stress mm-hmm. free for the most part right but it's just yeah okay so then you do have the perfect family mm-hmm. you do have everything that you want at 30 and then what mm-hmm. and then what happens you're done no i don't think that that's the case mm-hmm. so i'm taking everything as it comes i believe that everything that is mine is mine already mm-hmm. so i just need to wait for it and be patient
0: yeah it, it really does take a lot of um it's not acceptance, but it just takes a lot for someone to say, I'm, I'm just going to live my life to my own expectations. Yes. Without expectations that society has, yes, that family absolutely. has, that friends have. Yes, yes. You know, just me. And even because there's, there's a lot of times that I've told that to myself, like, oh, yeah, I'm just doing me, but deep inside. Yeah. I still you feel like, oh, saying yeah. That brings
2: so much joy to my heart mm-hmm. because I really do believe that. Yeah. I really do believe that. So when people ask me, like, you look so happy all the time, like, what is, what is it that you're doing? Mm -hmm. I had to let go of all of those pressures, right? And just obviously healthy. I'm not going to be like YOLO every weekend either, right? (laughs) But just really acknowledge that everybody's trajectory is different Mm -hmm. and that you get to have control over that. Mm -hmm. And I think that once you figure that out and are Mm -hmm. okay with it a hundred percent, that's when life starts to become fun. Yeah. Yeah. Models. absolutely now mm-hmm. if you want to have kids and you want to have a family mm-hmm. absolutely if that's your mm-hmm. goal right but then it don't get pressured into doing mm-hmm. things that are, feel like it's other people's expectations because that's mm-hmm. when people build resentment that's mm-hmm. when people start second guessing everything mm-hmm. right and like relationships too there's mm-hmm. such thing as temporary relationships mm-hmm. and i'm talking about romantic relationships intimate mm-hmm. relationships friends in general mm-hmm. there is such a thing as an end date mm-hmm. and you get to choose that if it's not working for you it's not working for you yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. I myself, I am really hard on making decisions. I am overthinking, okay. As well, um, and and I think about that too. Like, if there's life decisions that really do shape you forever, mm-hmm. and it's always like a little scary, but it's also the way of living. Yeah, you know, because you just make decisions, things happen, and that's life.
2: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. lifetime journeys.
0: Yeah. Lots of things that happen in our lives.
2: (laughs) But anyway, anything else you would like to share with us? Uh, I mean, I guess my last thing is um, thank you for having me here. I think that this is great. And... uh, I wanna so Stephanie and I I don't know Mm -hmm. when she did up on las pilas that we're Mm -hmm. supposed to do something similar. Not Mm -hmm. similar, but we love doing coffee shop Uh just exploration and just, you know, going to different coffee shops and Mm -hmm. smelling the coffee beans and trying different drinks. She's on this dirty matcha phase, right? Mm. But we're just like Stephanie, we need to have because her her conversations and our conversations, actually all my sisters are very intimate right and like Mm -hmm. i said earlier that i'm just really privileged that we're able to process about what's going on in our family what's going on with our jobs and all of that Mm -hmm. in a very safe way so i feel like we should just turn our voice memos and record Mm -hmm. conversations right but i think this is this feels like genuine and Mm -hmm. also really community based which yeah. is you guys are absolutely making mm. waves and i mm. hope that if there's anybody else that's interested in doing something like this good mm. dm you guys, dm me or yeah. whoever so we can make something happen yeah that would
0: be great and i mean mm. i i love stephanie's so whenever she wants to be in the podcast it'll be amazing i have invited her yeah. uh, she probably doesn't remember it was a while back but no, but that's a, that's a great project, because I love mm. coffee, and I know that is one of the main things that connected me with Stephanie, that it was like, oh, we're both coffee lovers, yeah. and we would both go to study at coffee shops. Yeah. And coffee shops to this day, it, it just, it makes me think of all the times I spent studying, and all my, todas mis ganas, and like my commitment that I have for school, and to this day, you know, I love going to new coffee shops, and seeing, like, their themes and how they try their to be themes, unique. themes, they're so different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, every single one tries to have, like, a unique little setting, and it's really cool to see.
2: Yeah, so that's more of, like, a short-term goal. I hope that we're mm-hmm. able to do that. And then longer term is, like, explore international coffee shops, mm-hmm. too, because I think that that will give us access to travel, mm-hmm. give us access to, you know, still trying different coffee shops and just food and all of that, and then being away. I think traveling also opens doors for thought provoking conversations like it it really spans your perspective oh absolutely yeah absolutely Uh yeah but um if anybody's interested you know checking in with me to keep me accountable to working on that one pager that i already said i was going to Mm -hmm. um if anybody's interested in connecting with me i'll be more than happy i Mm -hmm. believe in the power of mentorship and mentorship and community so Mm -hmm. you know like i said i'm a, a open book yeah, most definitely. Mm-hmm. And where can we find you? Instagram? Facebook? So I do have an Instagram. It's public. And I opened it up because of the book situation that was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's T-Fox, T-F-O-X underscore love, L-O-V-E. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> every time I say it, my sister comes into mind because she calls me T-Fox love. Like, <laughs> my name is Teresa, but she yeah. calls me T-Fox love. And yeah. I think it's the funniest thing. Um, or LinkedIn, Teresa, T-H-E-R-E-S-A, last name Palafox. Mm-hmm. Um yeah so and then facebook i'm also on facebook but i love email email is the best mm-hmm. way i love checking my emails i love responding to emails mm-hmm. so that's also uh, another way to kind of access me yeah
0: awesome well thank you so much for being part of this episode yeah absolutely it was thank you really all. fun conversation really oh, good time <laughs> yeah. so thank yeah. you jessica and thank you for everyone that's still here listening yeah absolutely well have a good one y'all